here in Hebrews chapter 12. We'll come to it in just a moment. But let me start by saying this. I enjoy competition. Uh, I can see two ants crawling on the sidewalk and cheer for one of them to cross the line first. Uh, I really do. Uh, I enjoy competing. I, it doesn't mean I have to win. I just enjoy competition. Uh, I compete with my wife to see who can outlove. I, I know I can love her more than she can love me. Uh, I can get up earlier than her for sure. That's it. Uh, but uh, we have a little competition, and I, I don't make her coffee because it'd be cold by the time she got up when I leave in the morning. Uh, but I make sure that the coffee's ready and the coffee maker for her and the water's filled up and ready to go. And uh, you say, why? Because I, I just love doing those kinds of things. I've played a lot of sports. Uh, God knows there's been a herd of cattle die for the amount of baseball gloves and baseballs I've gone through in my life. Uh, and even now, uh, sometimes one of the boys and I will go golfing, or brother Larry and I, and we compete a little bit. Now, uh, I don't compete as well with the younger guys as I used to, but uh, I still have what they call a West Virginia mouth wedge. You say, what's that? Oh, I can talk him into trouble real fast. You can't do that. You couldn't do that. Watch this. Yeah, about the time they try to get a little tougher, they, 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 they blow it. Amen? And, uh, but now, truth be told, and this is where the sermon's going to sting a little, competition's based on our pride. It really is. Competition is us trying to be better than someone else. Uh, look how fast it is to get in the flesh when you're competing. Look how easy it is to lose your cool because you didn't see the call the same way the official did. Competition inflames us against someone else. It inflames our team against another team. And we, in competition, are trying to win or dominate someone else by being better than they are at the moment. Here in Hebrews chapter 12 is a truth that, honestly, if you'll understand this truth, it will transform the rest of your life. I want you to notice something. God says, wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us. Now watch this last statement. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You're looking at a man that hates long distance running. I chose baseball because I only had to run 90 feet at a time. <laughs> to me, soccer's stupid. You're going to run for an hour and a half, and you can't tackle anybody. You can't punch them in the face. You can't beat them up. If you do, they pull out these cards out of their pocket of different colors, and when they get to the red one, you're in real trouble. Good night. I mean, football, at least you got a chance to beat the snot out of somebody and make it legal, amen? Soccer, man, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, yeah, but they got shin guards on, man. You hurt your foot more than you do their shins. 
Although I did see one guy kick a guy hard enough to where the bone in his shin came through the shin guard and the bone came popping out through that thing. And he laid on the ground and cried for a while while we called 911. Amen. Now, uh, I say that to say this. God tells us to run a race. Look at me for a moment. He did not tell us to compete in a race. We look at that and think it's a competition, and it is not. He does not tell us that he expects us to be first place in the race. God doesn't say, run this race and come in first place. He said, run the race. He wants you to finish the race that is set before you. There can only be one first place finisher. So does that mean if I run the race God's put in front of me and I don't come in first that I lose everything that I have run for? Of course not. But why is it when we see the word race we think of competition? You see, God is not disappointed in me if I don't finish first. God simply says, run with patience the race that is set before you. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the starter, and the finisher of our faith. In other words, God wants me to run this race to finish, not to end up in first place. Now, listen to me very carefully. God looks at the completion of the race more favorably than the position in which we finish it. God's more concerned about you getting to the end of it than he is that you got there first. We have to move fast enough to finish, but he doesn't tell us we have to finish first. We in America are so competitive and competition-minded that that we think we've got to outdo everybody and I've got to run faster and I've got to get there first and I've got to get the blue ribbon and I've got to be the fastest one or I disappointed God. No, God says finish the race. Now let me, it reminds me of a story in the book of Second uh, Samuel. David is, there's a battle going on and David as king of Israel is watching two armies fight. One is his army and the other is led by his son Absalom in rebellion against his own dad. He has told Joab and the other leaders, be easy with my son, win the battle, but be easy on my boy. One of the men kills Absalom. His hippie hair hangs in the tree as he's riding his mule and his hair flips up and goes around the branches of a tree and he's dangling by his long hippie hair in a tree. Brother Roloff used to preach a sermon called And the Mule Walked On. (laughs) That old mule kept a going while he dangled there and one of David's men walked over to him and took three darts and threw them right into the heart of Absalom and killed him. 
word comes back to the, the, the captains of the army and he sends a runner and tells him to go ki- tell King David that his son is dead, that they have won the battle. One of the other runners, though, decided, he said, but I want to go. He said, you don't have the message. He said, I've sent the message with somebody else. He said, but I still want to go. And he said, well, you can run, but you have nothing to tell the king. And the Bible says that that runner ran and outran the other runner. He got there first and uh, the king looked at him and he said, is my, is my son safe? He said, I don't know, but I got here first. He said, well, what message do you have? He said, I don't have a message, but I wanted to run and I, I got here. He said, get out of my way. I see the young man coming with the real message. Too many of us are like that young man that just wanted to run and get there first. We, we think we have what it takes and we could get there and build a name for ourselves because I can get there first. But we have no information. <laughs> It's not always how fast you run do you finish the race. It's not what place you come in, it's will you finish the race. I'm not a fast runner, not long distance. I used to be a pretty quick base runner. But you get me past 90 or 180 feet and I was done. I wasn't built for long distance, I was built for speed, Amen. I hated long-distance running. You never see a happy jogger. (laughs) Not a one of them rascals looks happy to me. Not a one. I'm thinking, dude, get a bike or get in a car. Quit doing that to yourself. I I, I hate long-distance running. I do. I never have liked it. Can I tell you something? God wants us to finish the race. He wants us to finish the race. You fall down, you get up, and you finish the race. You get knocked back or you get crowded out, find another lane and keep on a running. Let me give you a few thoughts today. Number one, God did not give us life as a competition. He gave it to us as endurance. God did not give us life as competition. He gave it to us as endurance. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 again. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with, what's the next word? Patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, listen to me very carefully here. I may not be the fastest runner. I may not be the smartest runner. No comments, please. (laughs) I may not be the best-looking or best-dressed runner, but I will tell you this, you're looking at a runner that won't quit running. I do have one quality. I got one more get up than the devil's got knocked down. I got one more pick up than I got put back down. 
There's days I'm not sure I can keep going and I'll look to heaven and I'll say, God, I'm weary, I'm tired, I feel like I've been through battle. I don't know I can go the whole way, but if I pick my foot up, will you put it down? And it seems like every time I pick it up, Brother Ronnie helps me put it down. Brother Jim, I get it picked up and he puts it down. And I'm able to keep on going. I may not go as fast. I might be tired. I might be crying. I might be heartbroken. I might be uh, stressed. I may have all those things, but I can keep on going. Pride is competition. Did you know God says in Genesis, God gave man a wife to complete him, not compete with him. Men, we need to quit looking at our spouses as a competitor and a completer. We're not supposed to compete with our children. My son Jeff's is in the Air Force, 28 years old. Young, hard, and I mean strong. You think I want to compete with my 28-year-old son? I was his age when he was born. I smacked him on the backside the day he was born. I helped half, I have smacked him on there a few times even after he was born. Amen. <laughs> uh, I talked to him a week or so ago. He just did his. Uh, he he's, he works out regularly. He said, "Dad, I got a new personal best." He said, "I just did two eighty-five on the bench." He weighs a buck sixty-five. Yeah, he's hard. You think I'm going to compete with him? You're nuts. That's the kid when he was qualifying for gate uh, there doing security work at the gate at the base. The second highest general on the base came in at 1 o'clock in the morning and wasn't going to show his credentials. And this is one of the tests that they have to go through. And after the second time, on the third time, he asked for the credentials and the guy's cussing him out. Jeff reaches in the car and pulls pulls the general right through the car window, throws him on the ground, handcuffs him. I mean, ripped him right through the window. Cuffed him and said, now, sir, when I stand you up, you're going to say you're going to comply because you really don't want it to escalate again. Do you understand me, sir? He said, stand me up. He said, I'll comply. Reached in his pocket. He said, young man, how come you pulled me through the window? He said, normally they open the door and I get to fuss and struggle a little bit. He said, sir, you got me beat by five inches and 75 pounds. No need to struggle. He said, you had me sized up. He said, I had sized up before you stopped the car. Now he's known as the guy that, yeah, that's him. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. That's Jeff. No nonsense. Just jerk him through. Now, wait a minute. You think I'm going to get in a tussle with him? No, break me in half. Wait a minute. God didn't call me to run his race, though. God called me to run my race. God didn't call me to run your race. God didn't call me to compete with Jeff. I'm not about to try to bench 285 pounds. Now, when I was in my early 30s, I was doing about 230 as a preacher. That's not too awful bad. No. Got better sense than to do it now, amen? Now, wait a minute. There was a day where I would... Work out three days a week, box three rounds, and, and uh, I, I was in pretty pretty good shape. I'm still in a shape. It's just not the same much shape. Amen? 
It's changed shapes. You think I'm going to try to compete with my boys? Some of these young guys? Forget it. I'm not in competition with my kids. I'm not in competition with my children that are in the ministry right now. I'm not trying to have more people than they have. Can I tell you something? And I hope this, I hope they all listen to this. I hope they outdo their old man. Amen. Say, preacher, you want your kids to outdo you? Yeah, because that means hundreds of thousands of more people getting saved. Sure. I'll take it. But I didn't know we were in a competition. You know, I'm not in a competition with my wife. I don't try to compete with my wife. You say, why? I don't like getting beat. <laughs> I was, Katora uh, said something to somebody a couple of weeks ago when they were here. She said, she said, well, let me ask my husband. Uh, all the major decisions go through him and all the smaller decisions go through me. But after 10 years, we haven't had any major decisions yet. <laughs> oh, she's sharp. Hang on. She's as snotty as the rest of us. Now, wait a minute. You know, uh, we're not supposed to compete with people at work. We're supposed to work together, not compete. I am not in a competition with Mrs. Barnes, thank God, because I don't even know where the button is to turn the stupid computer on is. She told me she took the computer home. I said, it doesn't matter. If it was here, I couldn't turn it on and do it anyway. You say, preacher, I'm not, I'm not in competition with her. The reason I hired her is because she's strong in an area I'm not as strong in. Can she beat me in that area? Yes. Will Brother Anthony be able to beat me in the area of music? Of course, anybody could just about. <laughs> I have no problem with saying that. I didn't hire him because I'm better than him. I hired him because I need him and his strengths. And I don't know what all he'll be doing yet because I don't know all his strengths yet. He may be stronger in something that I'm doing right now that he might be stronger at than I, and then I'll take something I was going to give him. No problem. Everybody doing okay? Am I going to compete with him? No. We're here to work together as a team. My wife and I are to work together as a team, not be in competition with each other. Boy, that's good stuff. I'm not supposed to compete with other church members or other churches or other pastors. I am not in a competition with anybody. I don't publish our attendances and people saved and all these numbers and some publication going around the world showing everybody what we're doing. Uh, little old Kearneysville, West Virginia. But can I tell you something? God's using little old Kearneysville, West Virginia, a little country church sitting on a hill. Why? Because we're not in competition. We're trying to help people. I'm going to make a statement here. God's not keeping score. God's not keeping what place you finish in. Why are you? I'm not supposed to do something and wait for my wife to do something back because I did something for her. Well, I did more things than she did. You're supposed to. You're a man. In the words of my daughter, suck it up, buttercup. I, I didn't know it was a competition. If you're keeping score, then you didn't do it out of love. You did it out of 
wanting something in return. God is more interested in our obedience to him and how we run, not what place we finish. God is more interested in us finishing the race and he's not worried about whether we come in first, second, or third place. (coughs) God's not handing out trophies at the end of the race. He's not handing out ribbons to the top finishers. He's handing out crowns to the finishers. What's a crown? Authority. Placement in the kingdom. Rank. He's not giving us uh, a ribbon because we ran faster than somebody. Yeah, you can run faster than somebody and tackle everybody and step on them and beat them up along the way. But that doesn't mean you're going to get a better crown. God even sends refreshment, strength, fellowship, and coaching as we run. It's called the Holy Spirit, the Bible, church, and a pastor. While we run the race. Boy, that's good stuff. Why? Because he wants us to get a better crown when we finish. He wants us to finish well. He didn't say that that's only to those that run the fastest. Each race is individualized because each life is different. I'm about to make a statement, and if somebody gets mad, I'll be successful. (laughs) Quit judging those who aren't running the way you run. This is the statement that I hope makes somebody mad. If you have time to criticize, it's because you're not running your race right. One thing I do know about running, you don't turn around and look at the other runners. By the time you turn your head, you're going to end up with your feet on top of your head. And then a bunch of other people's feet on top of your head. You're not supposed to look around and see where you are in the race. You're to run the race. And if you have time to look around and start criticizing everybody else, how they're running, guess what? That means you stopped running your race. So, God did not give us life as a competition He gave it to us as an endurance. Number two, many are good starters, but they don't finish. Boy, I want you to notice something. Look at verse number two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and what? Finisher of our faith. Aren't you glad Jesus wasn't just a starter? I'm glad there was Bethlehem's manger. I'm glad there was Calvary, but I'm also glad there's a resurrection. But more than I'm glad there's a resurrection, I'm glad he left this earth and went back and put his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. (laughs) Somebody was a little disgruntled this week, not in our church. I was helping someone else. And I got a little harsh. I know that's hard to believe. They said, well, the, 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 the preacher and the preacher and the preacher. And I said, hold it. I said, you're a sheep, not a shepherd. I said, sheep are supposed to stay in the fold and reproduce in the fold. Let the, let the master shepherd take care of the shepherds. 
it's not the sheep's job to correct the shepherd. It's the shepherd's job to take care of that. I said, I just preached a sermon about people like you last Sunday in my church called Sheep or Billy Goats and Quit Acting Like a Goat. <laughs> Boy, did that one go over hard. I said, you're butting around in somebody else's business. I said, you let God take care of the shepherd. If he's doing wrong, God will correct him, trust me. A whole lot better than you can. Just keep your nose in your own business and, and quit sticking your nose in somebody else's business. Can I tell you something? Many are good starters, but few are good finishers. I thought this was a good way to say it. Don't get mad. Too many people have ADHD on the road of life and are continually distracted. And they can't finish anything. Oh, let's start this. Oh, let's start this. Oh, let's start this. Oh, let's start this. Uh, go to your garage or your basement or your craft room and find out how much has been started but not finished. Yeah, that one hurt real fast, didn't it? Now we went from preaching to meddling real hard, didn't we? Say, why is that? Because uh, what was priority, something else came up. Now, I realize there are legitimate priorities, but isn't it amazing? Start one fire at a time. Now, don't take it all on because then you have something that's out of control. That's why you don't want to clean the garage or clean the shed or clean the basement or clean your craft room because it's been, now it's so overwhelming, you can't do it. So, say I'm going to clean from this spot to this spot first. And then once you get that cleaned and organized and throw out 14 truckloads of junk out of that one spot, then go to the next one. It is amazing to me how many people are so interested on the things that have nothing to do with their life. And if they would just stick to what was on their race, not somebody else's, they would finish their race and do it better than running zigzag all over the place. We used to have a drill in baseball when I was uh, in baseball a lot. It's called the rundown drill. Oh, I hated that drill. See, what's a rundown? When you play third base, you have a rundown drill with second baseman and uh, the shortstop and the pitcher. So, and because I pitched and played third base, I was always involved in the rundown every, every practice. And what happens is when you have somebody that's in a rundown between second and third base, the third baseman and the second baseman start, the shortstop and the pitcher back up, and as they're chasing down, the other two step in, and the ball goes back and forth, and you just keep changing around that way, around those two bases. The same is true at first and, third, or first and second with the second baseman and shortstop and the pitcher in first base. So the pitcher has to cover both of those in a rundown situation. And you just keep circling back around those bases as, as need be, but the worst thing to do is start chasing a guy down. You run him a little closer to the next base, and then you throw the ball. And get out of the way. If you start doing zigzags with him, guess what? He's going to get to base and you're going to miss him. I was always told straight lines don't zigzag. From the base to the base is a straight line, not a zigzag. Fast base runners run in a straight line. Those that run way out of the lines and everything else, those are the guys that get caught all the time. You got to hit those straight lines, straight lines, straight lines. 
When we start running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, we're wasting time, we're wasting energy, we're wasting steps, and we're going to get nabbed. You see, Jesus noticed that he wasn't just the author, but he is the finisher of our faith. A day of prayer is good. A life of prayer is better. Sweet hour of prayer, I'm for it. But how about sweet life of prayer? Pray without ceasing. Oh, I love hours of prayer, but you give me a prayer life, I'll take that over somebody who knows how to pray for an hour. Let's learn to be finishers. <laughs> okay, everybody look at me. I'm, I'm fixing to swing the paddle again, so hang on. Let's learn to be finishers without the emergency and pressure of finishing. Do you know why you feel a pressure in an emergency to finish something? Because you didn't plan the finish. And what happened is you spent too long doing something else and now you have to get it done. It's called procrastination. You are looking at what used to be the king of procrastination. My dad's back there grinning like a possum. <laughs> like a June bug on the last day of May. Oh, I, I, was, I was the king of procrastination. Believe me, I could do it. Here was the statement that all procrastinators make. I work better under pressure. Yeah. Then I learned the statement Brother Hiles taught me. You fly by the seat of your pants long enough, something eventually is going to hang out. Amen? The reason you have to have that pressure is because you don't have the character to finish. You have to have everybody else put the pressure on you to make you do what you should have planned before you started. That's why people can't show up to places on time. People don't show up to work. People don't finish anything they start. <laughs> You're not a good finisher because you wait to the last second to get something done. Did you know that good finishers feel no pressure? Do you know I wasn't pressured with the tent revival? Say why. Had planned and organized. Did you know the cleanup for the tent revival was as important as the preaching? Everybody doing okay? Did you know making sure the Fireworks were cleaned up was as important as making sure that the ushers had visitors cards and everything else. Everybody doing okay? See, if we don't plan it, that's when we feel the pressure of it. And as you plan a job, you've got to plan the pressure of deadlines. My deadlines are always before the event takes place. Amen. I set my deadlines long before something's due. Now, I understand I went through high school and college. I know what outside projects mean. You wait till, at that time, we had a week after Christmas break that we had of class, and then we had our finals. So you waited to Christmas break to get all your outside work done. But when you have six or 7,000 pages outside reading and 
dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of pages of reports to do, you can't do it all over Christmas break. So I began learning to how many pages a day do I need to read to get through all my outside reading. And I would start doing it day by day versus waiting to the end. And I made sure that I put uh, in my stuff to make sure that I had Christmas break, just about everything done, except maybe some of the typing or something that somebody else could do. Because <laughs> I didn't even type. <clears throat> I paid somebody to type my stuff for me, amen? Now, wait a minute. You say, what is that? Get your, get your deadlines before you do. If, if church is to start at six o'clock, don't plan to be at church at six o'clock. Especially if you have to cross railroad tracks, come up 81 or come through some of the high traffic zones. Well, it takes me 17 minutes to get to church, preacher. Okay, don't leave at 16 minutes before church starts. If it takes you 17 minutes to get to church, leave 30 minutes in advance and give yourself 10, 15 minutes. I'm so glad that my dad taught me, don't you ever be late for work. I've been late to work two times in my entire life. Once was due to a flat tire, and uh, we ended up running about three miles back and forth from the gas station to get, get, get everything cared for. And I walked in, and uh, I was actually to work as the buzzer was ringing, but I wasn't at where I was supposed to be at, so I had changed clothes and stuff. I considered myself late. The boss didn't. One other time I got held up and there was absolutely no way I could get there. Uh, it, was, it was horrendous. Those are the only two times in my entire life. You know, when they shut a freeway down and you're stuck in it, you, you ain't going nowhere. Now, I was late to picking up Brother Hiles at the airport one time. That was the, that was the second time. And they had... There was a tractor trailer that overturned with a, you know, those steel coils, those big rolls of steel. It rolled over and sprang out on the highway and killed a couple people. They had everything shut off. I'm driving through the medians. I'm driving on the edge of the road, and I met up with a police officer. He said, look, you don't understand something. i got to go pick Brother Hiles up at the airport. i got to get to O'Hare Field. I said, this isn't something that I can wait on. I've got to get there. I've got to get him back for church tonight. He looked at me and said, Reverend, you're nuts. I said, I might be nuts, but I'm not going to be late. And he said, okay. And he started walking ahead of me, clearing, clearing things over. I drove down the side of the road. He said, go out this way, go up. I knew how to get back out from there. I got off the freeway. He's clearing people out. I was driving, and I will not tell you that I broke the speed limit, but I did. <laughs> going up the Dan Ryan freeway and I won't tell you how fast I was but I was praying that God would keep the police away amen I pulled up just as brother Hiles walked out I was sweating I mean I was sweating he said how was your trip I said don't ask <laughs> so I began to tell him he said you did what he said we got time son I said I didn't know that though when we came back through, the freeway was still shut down going the other direction. He said, you got through that? I said, huh? He said, how'd you do that? I said, see that officer right there? I said, he and I had a conversation. <laughs> he said, but I said, that's why the bottom of my car is so dirty right now. Don't worry about it. He couldn't believe it. I said, preacher, you told me don't be late. I wasn't late. 
I was going to do whatever it took not to be late. He said, how fast did you drive? I said, I'll, I'll go to the altar tonight. Don't worry. <laughs> you see, plan the finish before you start. Uh, work until the cleanup's done. Now, number three, and I'll finish. God wants us to run with patience. The race that is set before us. Now look at me. The title of the sermon today was Completed, Not Compete. Completed, Not Compete. The book of James, chapter 1, says, The trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. Does the trying of your faith sound like a good thing? It's not. Some of you say, well, I have plenty of patience. I've never used any. (laughs) The trial of your faith worketh patience. Having your faith tried is not fun. It slows you down. It weakens you. It's opposition. And God says, run with patience. Oh, that means he knows we're going to face obstacles. He knows we're going to face opposition. This isn't something that we're in a sprint. No, this is a Ironman competition. This is grunt it out and get through. You see, patient in, patience implies trials, obstacles, difficulties, and etc., God knows you're going to get slowed down from time to time on the road of life. But that doesn't mean you stop running. Let me praise someone today. I'm talking about Brother Jim Borer over here. 91 years young. Now, wait a minute. Just about seven, eight months ago, fell in the driveway and broke his hip and laid there for a few hours till somebody found him and helped him. Surgery and rehab and all the stuff that he's been through. Brother Jim, I love you. You know this. But a lot of folks his age would just roll over and just let it, let it take him to heaven. Not him. He's got too much life he's wanting to live. Now, wait a minute. What was that? Running with patience. Now, he doesn't run as fast as he used to run. But he still finds a refrigerator. Amen. <laughs> he might not be able to see everything, but he saw them pretty girls last Saturday when they came and sang for him. Now, wait a minute. Uh, it's called running with patience. As you get older, you're not going to run as fast. At 56, I don't run as fast as I did when I was 28. But I can still carry a pretty good load. I got a 27-year-old pastor in Maine. He said, preacher, I don't know how you do it. I got 12 people and I'm about to go crazy. I said, man, I got more people in the bathroom at one time than that. Don't worry about it, dude. You'll get there. Don't try to be me at 56. Be me when I was your age. 
You see, sometimes we get so far ahead in the race, we look at some of the people that are just starting theirs and say, come on, it's not that bad. Yeah, but you've been doing it longer than they've been alive. You know, one of the hardest things for a parent to do is teach your kids the math tables and read because you know how to do it. But you forgot how you learned it. It didn't come naturally all at one time. And then you became a junior higher and your brain falls out your ear. You see, God knows we're going to get slowed down, set back, and detoured. But God tells us to keep running, not to quit. Just because there's a delay doesn't mean you give up. I know people, oh, this is a statement I get sick to my stomach with and get angry at when preacher boys tell me this. Well, I'm just going to keep going till God, uh, till God quits opening doors. Well, did you know the devil can open doors too? Matter of fact, the devil's very good at slamming doors. Usually those are the ones I'm supposed to go through. I've got to kick it back open and fight my way through it. God never promised his will was going to be an open door policy. Everybody doing okay? Usually the harder the opposition, the righter the, the road. Is that not what 2 Timothy chapter 4 is all about? God uses the Apostle Paul to write these words. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Can I tell you something? You're talking about a man who is a murderer. Do you think Paul ran the race and came in first place? I don't. Brother Ron, I, I don't think the Apostle Paul will be first in line on crown wearing day. There's young people who grow up in church, live their life right the whole, their whole life, live their life serving God as God intended, that will step ahead of the Apostle Paul because they ran their race the right way. Paul jumped in later in life. Who are we to judge? Well, you're talking about one of the apostles. Yeah, I know one of them that cussed and swore too and quit the ministry. Everybody doing okay? Finish. To complete. No details left. All the components are concluded. What would you have thought of your preacher? If you, when you came to church today, the tent was laying down, half put together, or half undone, no chairs in the building, trash all over the place, bathrooms and hallways not cleaned up from all the grass and dirt brought in to go to the washroom, toilets are a mess, fireworks, paper everywhere. Amen, brother. And on and on and on. Food left out. No trash taken out. You'd have been a little upset with your preacher, wouldn't you? 
Better be glad that he learned how to be a finisher. Let me ask you a question. When God looks at your life, does he see an author or a finisher or both? We're not to be looking around at others and running their race. I'm not to be judging Brother Scott or Brother Cross or Brother Franz or uh, Brother Myers, his race. I'm not to be looking at everybody else's race. I'm not running their race. I'm running the race God gave me. Others may run faster, but I've been running longer. I'm not in competition to see who gets there first. Matter of fact, I'd rather go in the Guinness Book of World Records than Fox's Book of Martyrs. I'm not looking to take the next trip, amen? I'm not quite ready to finish, but if the trumpet sounds, buddy, I'm going to run fast. God does not want us to compete with others. He wants us to finish our race. And maybe if we would put our pride aside, we would quit being in competition with everybody and we would just run the race God gave us. So let's quit making life a competition. Let's quit making our relationships a competition. Let's quit making our friendships a competition. Let's quit making our love a competition. Let's quit making our life in general a competition and let's just... Finish the course. Let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. One of these days we're going to get to heaven if we're saved. (laughs) Brother Cross, I, I probably won't finish first. But God never told me I had to finish first. I'm just looking for him to say, Well done. You made it. You did good, son. You did good. I don't know where I'll end up. Now, by the way, I don't care. I just want to make sure I end. I want to keep going so that I can finish. I'm trying to keep my health up so I can run longer. I'm trying to uh, do things to where I can carry the load a longer time. Does that mean I'm going to need help from time to time? Yeah, because the old, old body doesn't carry it like it used to. The old gray mare ain't what she used to be, amen? The old, the old uh, mule just, he, he might keep on walking, but he's pulling a little slower. And that's why Jesus said, yoke up with me, and I'll help you pull. Maybe we ought to realize it's not to see how fast and get there first, it's, We're to finish the race. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hate to tell you, but your finish is going to be a place called hell. You haven't even entered the race yet because you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you died today and you don't know for sure you'd go to heaven, in just about two or three minutes you could know that for sure. Because Jesus authored and finished your salvation for you. You can't do anything for it except receive it. If you've been saved and never baptized, jump in the race. We can take care of that today. If you've been saved and baptized by immersion and like to join our church, we'd love to have you jump in the race with our church. Maybe you just need to come to an old-fashioned altar and lose a little bit of our pride. 
trying to quit competing and start completing. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon, something I needed today. Do you raise your hand? Oh, my 